Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm 67, 67th Psalm. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word, you can open up to page 662 in the Pew Bible there in front of you, 662 in the Pew Bible in front of you. And as you're opening there, I want to say how excited I am about worshiping with you this week during Revival. Uh, Chris will give you a little more details at the end of the service about uh, supper each night and things like that. But I just once more want to encourage you, beginning tomorrow night, to be here every night at 6 o'clock. Hear my friend and mentor, he did mine and Whitney's wedding. He's a dear friend of ours and, and sort of taught me how to preach and how to be a pastor. And so I hope and pray that you'll be here uh, each night at 6 o'clock to hear Clint Presley uh, during our spring revival. Well, if you're open up there to the 67th Psalm, I'd love for you to stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. The psalmist writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to you. Beginning verse 1, to the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Selah, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Let's pray together. O Lord, our God, we thank you for this wonderful good news that we read here in this psalm. God, we pray that the nations would be glad and that we would do our part to fulfill your mission here at First Baptist Church of Gadsden. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When he was 16 years old, a boy from a Christian household in modern day, what is now Britain, was captured by pirates. And for six years, he was taken to another country, not his own country, to another place. And he was held there as a slave for six years. But later on in his life, in the early 430s A.D., a man we now know as St. Patrick returned there to that island where he was held, a little place called Ireland. And he went there to preach the gospel. He, he went there where he had been enslaved to reach the people who had enslaved him. These pirates were from Ireland and took him back there. He went there to reach them with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to share the gospel with the people there. And so here we all thought this was just a day for partying. But in reality, this is to commemorate a man who is a huge figure in the history of Christian missions. Listen to Patrick's calling in his own words. He said, I came to the people of Ireland to preach the gospel and to suffer insult from the unbelievers bearing the reproach of my going abroad and many persecutions even unto bonds and to give my free birth for the benefit 
of others. In other words, Patrick recognized that he had been blessed, that he had been given free birth in order that he might use his life to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what would make a young man do this? What would make Patrick go back to the people that he could have so easily hated? Christ is worthy of worship. Christ is worthy. Why do we go? Why, why do we send? Why, why do we send money to the nations? Why do we do it? Why? When there are plenty of lost people here, right here in Gadsden. Because missions isn't our idea. We didn't come up with the idea of, of reaching folks. We, we don't want our church to grow because we want it to be bigger. We want our church to grow because we want God to be glorified. We want sinners to be saved. We want people to know Jesus. I, I, I don't give one rip about a bigger church. I, I care uh, about uh, uh, infinitely about the souls of people, and that's who we're trying to reach. And so by God's grace, hopefully over time, we'll see people come to know Jesus through our church. But missions isn't our idea. We don't have the same sort of mission as a company. We don't have the same sort of strategy as a company. We didn't come up with this on our own. This is God's mission. God came up with this, and, and God has said that He wants all nations, people from every tribe, tongue, language, and nation, to worship Him forever. And so we do it God's way because Christ is worthy to be worshipped. He deserves to be worshipped by people all over the world. And so this morning, I, I want to show you three things that I think will help you as you walk in the mission of God. As we pray this prayer in our hearts as a church, let the nations be glad. I, I hope these three things will help you as you walk in God's mission. Here's the first, first point this morning. First thing I want you to see this morning is this. Remember the purpose of God's blessing. Remember the purpose of God's blessings. This first verse sound familiar to any of you did it did it jump out at any of y'all if you teach sunday school or a student of the bible I, i'm sure it did this is the priestly blessing god be gracious to us and bless us make his face to shine upon us this is from the priestly blessing in number six and god commanded the priest of israel to bless the people with this blessing may god bless you and 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 may god uh, be gracious to you and may God make his face to shine upon you and here the psalmist is picking this covenantal love language back up this is language that was meant for God's people this is language that represented what it meant for the people in the nation of Israel to be recipients in fact perhaps even at this point in time at the time in which it was received exclusive recipients at that point, of the covenantal love of God. He had put his loving kindness on them and would not remove it. He was gracious to them and blessed them and made his face shine upon them. And the, the, the psalmist picks up this language and, and he adds something to it. He adds a purpose clause to the end of this blessing. What does it say? He picks up this specific covenantal blessing and says, 
There's a reason why God does this. Why does God bless His people? Why is God gracious to His people? Why does God shine His face upon them? Why? That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Think about it. God's blessing of salvation through His covenantal love is not meant to be merely an ends, but also a means by which other people experience His covenantal love and His saving power. From the very get-go, God meant for His blessings to be transferred to others through the blessing of His people. We are not called to be the terminal end of God's blessings. We are not here on a spiritual cul-de-sac where God's blessings stop. We are a conduit of God's blessings and salvations just as His people Israel were. How, how, How easy is it for us, church? How easy is it for us just to stop and to bask in God's salvation? I don't know about you, but I enjoy being a Christian. Thanks, Nan. I appreciate that. Me too, Nan. Me and Nan are the only ones, but we love being Christians. I love the Lord's day. I love the Lord's blessings. I I do. I, I love it. I love eating supper with y'all on Wednesday nights. I love us all spending time together. I love visiting the Lord's people. I, I love it. I love being a Christian. I love going to Sunday school. Uh, Woody kicked me out of my Sunday school class. But I, I love it. And uh, they were doing sermon-based discussion questions, and I kind of made it awkward. And so Woody made me, made me leave. And, and so, but here's the reality. I love it. I love the Lord's people. I love teaching. I love it. It's exactly what I want to do. Every Sunday, I love being right here at First Baptist Church of Gadsden. But here's the reality. God's called us to more than that. He's called us to do more than enjoy the blessings of being Christians. Now, there's nothing wrong with enjoying it. I like to wallow around and I love it. But there's nothing wrong with enjoying it. But God blessed us in order that His salvation may be known to others. And here's the reality, church. We must not only be committed to receiving God's blessings, but we must also be committed to being on God's mission. God has done this. He has blessed His people so that His way may be known, so that people everywhere can know Him by experiencing His saving power. We've talked about this so far in this series, but it's worth mentioning again that it's a strange thing the way that Christians view blessing in our culture and in our society. That Christians so often view God's blessing as a way to make us more comfortable, to make our lives easier. And there is a sense in which it's true that when you're blessed, there is a sense in which there is a blessing that you can receive that does those things. But at the same time, have you ever stopped to consider how you might use God's blessings in your life to further His mission? I ask you this question, how are you using your time, gifts, talents and resources to do just that are you using these things 
in the way that God would have you do that. We must remember the purpose of God's blessing, and we must do it because Christ is worthy to be worshipped among all nations. Not only must we remember the purpose of God's blessing, but second of all, we must embrace the scope of God's mission. We, we must embrace the scope of God's mission. <clears throat> I love the chorus to this psalm. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And then we move to verse 2. Let the nations be glad. It's verse 4, but in the song I'm calling it verse 2. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Selah, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And then it, the, the hymn finishes, the psalm finishes like this. The earth has yielded its increase, another sign of God's blessing. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. In other words, the idea here is that eventually the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Do you see this language in this psalm? This is language that shows that though Israel was the epicenter of God's saving power, and though it was from them that the word of God came and that the Christ of God came, that over time, God meant for those salvation blessings to be applied to people from every tribe, tongue, language, and lesson, language, and nation. You see, we see the promise of a blessing to all nations in God's covenant with Abraham. We see it here in Psalm 67. We see it all throughout the New Testament as it pulses vividly with a missionary heartbeat. And dear brothers and sisters, we see a glorious future where these verses are fulfilled in the book of Revelation chapter 5 verses 9 through 12 where the Bible tells us that those in heaven sang a new song saying worthy are you to Christ to take the scroll and to open its seals for you are slain and by your blood listen to what the Bible says you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. And then John looks. He says, He heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Brothers and sisters, all of heaven resounds with praise to the Lamb of God precisely because by His blood He has redeemed people from every tribe and tongue and language and nation. Christ is worthy to be worshipped. And the question that each and every one of us must answer in our own hearts before God is how willing are we to sacrifice so that the nations might know the glory and beauty of our great and wonderful and glorious Christ? What are we willing to sacrifice? My college best friend, Lee Harper, y'all have met him. He and his wife 
while Ashley have been waiting in limbo for weeks with visa issues. They, they got extra time at home and with family, and yet the whole time they were chomping at the bit to get on the mission field. And finally their visas came in last week, nine days later, just yesterday. Just yesterday. They got on an airplane, and today they'll be in Belgium. And why are they willing to go through all that they've gone through to go to the mission field because Christ is worthy. Why send a team to Honduras? Why would Brant and Katie and Lydia give up their time and give up their money to go, spend their spring break to go to Honduras because Christ is worthy. Why do, why do we give 10% of our budget to the cooperative program and a big, the largest chunk of that goes to the IMB? And why do we give sacrificially every year to Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong offerings for missions? Because Christ is worthy. And what's the reason that perhaps some of you at this very moment are having what feels like the craziest thoughts you've ever had? This idea, if He calls me, I will go. I will end my career and go. I will move my career and go. I will sacrifice my retirement years and go. I'll graduate from college and I'll go. Christ is worthy of our lives. But brothers and sisters, we must also have a willingness not only to go, but we also need to be ready when they come here. We need to be prepared when the nations come to us. I'm so baffled sometimes by the way Christians talk about these things. It confuses me because we care about missions. And listen, I... I really do believe with all my heart that Christians can have a wide spectrum of opinions on how to handle immigration. Some of y'all are just already just tensing up at that very mention of that word. See, I turned the news off, came to church. I don't want to hear any, any more of those words right now. But listen, I, I, I really want you to hear me out here. We, we, we've got varying opinions as Christians on how secure the border ought to be on how we handle those things, all those kinds of things. And I understand that. And I, I think good, godly Christians can disagree on those issues. But here's what I do know. Is that once they're here, however they got here, whatever they did, once they're here for us as Christians, irrespective of how we feel about how the government ought to handle it, we ought to be the people who are on the front lines of loving those folks well. Because God has brought the nations to us. And so I ask you this question. When you hear someone speaking another language in your town, do you get frustrated or do you get excited because God has given you an opportunity to reach the nations at Gadsden Walmart? Think about it. Think about the opportunity that God has given us. Through what lens do you view the world? Do you view the world through the lens of the gospel or the lens of your politics and views and opinions? Brothers and sisters, we must embrace the scope of God's mission. And God's mission is His desire that people from every tribe, tongue, language, and nation come to know Him. And so God may be calling some of you 
who are deeply troubled politically by illegal immigration to nonetheless start ESL classes here at First Baptist Church so that we have an opportunity to talk to people who don't know English and we wish we knew English and I'm mad because I had to press 2 for English on the phone and everything else, but I am committed, even though I'm frustrated by these things, right? You, You may say to yourself, I am committed though to teach those people English, even though I'm frustrated by it. I am committed to do it. Why? Because Christ is worthy to be worshipped. Christ is worthy. We must celebrate the reason for God's rule. That's our final point this morning. We must celebrate the reason for God's rule. John Piper once said, Missions exists because worship doesn't. Missions exists because worship doesn't. The psalmist says what? Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Why? Why does he say that? What, what reason does he give? Why? For God judges the people with equity and guides the nations upon the earth. In other words, God saves and then rules over his people to make his glory known in order that we might worship him. There's a reason why we set aside each and every week a day to worship God here on the Lord's Day every week because God has ruled over us and he is in charge of us and therefore we ought to render worship unto him. We do it in ways, we try to do it in ways that reflect God's love and mercy and grace and character, His transcendence, His beauty, His majesty. We try to reflect and honor that in what we do. And some might argue that God is being self-centered by making this the goal, the reason for His rule, so that He might be worshipped. But here's the reality is, we were created to worship Him, and we were created to know and love and serve God through worship. And we were made for that reason precisely because God is the most glorious thing in the universe. And so it would not be good and merciful and loving of God to satisfy us in any other way but the best way, and that is through giving Himself to us. The greatest gift of all is Christ Himself. It's God Himself. And this is why God has blessed His people. And this is why the scope of God's mission is every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation. It's because God has a desire for the knowledge of His glory to spread over the earth like the waters cover the sea. It's precisely why the psalmist says, let all the ends of the earth fear Him because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And if there's going to be a knowledge of God over the whole earth as the waters cover the seas then all the ends of the earth must fear God and the way we learn to fear God is by being recipients of the grace of God the engine that drives our mission is who God is the glory of God is what drives us it's not guilt it's not the threat of hell, it's not the benefits and blessings of Christianity, it's not compassion, 
Even though all those things are important reasons to tell people about Jesus, at the end of the day, the main reason, the reason we go, the reason we sin, the reason we preach, the reason we go all over the world to tell people about Jesus is because of the glory of God. Christ is worthy to be worshipped. Sometimes I fear that here in America, We're more concerned about making the saints comfortable than we are about reaching the nations for Christ. We're more worried about how we sing praises to Jesus rather than whether or not the nations even know Jesus to praise Him. We're so focused on our own needs and our own blessings. The way we like church to be. That sometimes I, 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 I forget, I think we forget and we miss that the nations don't know Jesus at all. They don't know Him at all. We struggle to make the commitment to come worship Jesus weekly or to worship Him in our everyday lives while billions of people live without the knowledge of Jesus whatsoever. Brothers and sisters, we must be passionate about making the name of Christ known throughout the world. This is the mission of God that we've been called to. What in the world would make a young man willing to go back to his oppressors, to go back to his captors, and live out his days there telling them about Jesus? What would make a young family pack up everything in two suitcases apiece, move across the world to tell people about Jesus? What would make us start ESL classes or love folks who are so different than us? What would make us give up the blessings and the comfort of home or money so that the gospel might go forward? My friends, my precious church, my brothers and sisters in Christ, Christ is worthy. Christ is worthy. Let the nations be glad and sing with joy because Christ is worthy. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And God, let your grace go to the earth so that people will sing with joy and praise you. Why, God? Why, God? Why? Because Christ is worthy. Christ is worthy. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've never met Jesus for the first time, if you've never known Christ before, this morning I want to offer an invitation to you. If you would turn God in faith through Jesus Christ repent from your sins and turn to God I I believe Jesus will save you today this altar is open to you and second of all you may be a believer and you may say pastor I've got some things to repent of or you may just say I want to draw nearer to Jesus this altar is open for you and I'd be glad to pray with you and talk to you today And finally you may be looking for a church home I'd love to talk to you this morning about what it means for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church of Gadsden After this prayer, 
I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you because Christ is worthy. And, Lord, my prayer is that my footprint, our church's footprint, our denomination's footprint would span this globe so that people from every tribe and tongue and language and nation would worship you because you are worthy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.